So uh, some weeks ago, Michael rang me at home and uh, invited me, asked me to, to read uh, Daniel 7-8, and my instinctive reaction was, thank you, but no thank you. So, and then I thought, uh, while I was still on the phone, I thought, no, I really should step up. Uh, so here I am. And this morning, Michael said, well, what are you worried about? You're a teacher. Well, yes, I am, but I'm a teacher of um, young adolescents and young adults, not people who are my age or older and younger, too. So um, I'm not used to standing in front of a class. I walk around a lot when I'm teaching. Certainly don't use a microphone when I'm teaching. I find I don't need that. Um, but anyway, uh, here I am. So I'm very relieved that... I was offered the opportunity to actually read chapters 7 and 8 rather than uh, prepare a whole uh, lesson. So uh, I'm going to do that. Obviously, I've got a few things to say before and possibly after as well. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how we go. I'm going to need my glasses. I'm going to need... All, I've got all sorts of buttons to push. So please forgive me if I look a little bit, uh, a little bit busy. Okay, so apparently you can read Daniel in a whole book of Daniel in under one hour. So reading chapters seven and eight should only take a few minutes, I hope. Um, but when I was when I was reading uh, chapter seven and eight recently, and I actually timed myself yesterday, uh, probably more nervous this morning than I was yesterday in my own home. Uh, but I I'm a very literal person. I, I'm I'm good at black and white, not shades of grey and nuances. So you know, so oftentimes language in the Bible can be very um, difficult. Uh, certainly to pronounce, but also to understand all the vivid um, imagery that is portrayed in the Bible. Uh, I'd rather someone just said it to me in black and white, you know, this is what it means. So it can be challenging at times to understand uh, God's word. Hopefully that's not the case this morning. Um, I'll try and go slowly, but it, it's, quite, it's quite a long uh, reading this morning, so please bear with me. Now I've got to juggle pushing a button and doing a laptop and reading from the Bible, so excuse me. Okay, so this is my introduction. I thought I'd, I'd think about an introduction to Daniel uh, 7, 8. Uh, here we go. So never, question mark, have the headlines been this jarring, the cultural changes this rapid, or the moral decay this pronounced. Perhaps that's not exactly true. Perhaps people have said this for generations, hundreds of years, but I'm saying it now. So what on earth is happening? After each new occurrence, the most often heard questions are, will the world ever be the same again? Where is God in all of this? Is this the end for Tasmania, Australia, the world even? No one can afford to ignore these warnings, but we can all better understand the greater story and the role we each play in this changing world. And it is changing. No one can deny that. Sometimes we get confused over what is nice to know versus what we need to know. While there is much about the end times that would be nice to know, God hasn't revealed it all. But he has told us everything we need to know to live godly lives until the end. And this is the important takeaway message. There are more, but this is certainly a crucial one. If you're asked to nominate someone as the wisest person in the Old Testament, who would it be? Most people would name Solomon. I've just heard that around the group. 
But when the prophet Ezekiel wanted to use someone as a standard for wisdom, he named Daniel. Our study of the book of Daniel goes through the life of one of the Bible's greatest saints, a man whom Ezekiel named as an example of wisdom and righteousness. But it's not just Daniel's life that is stirring, it's his message as well. The modern church, our hope church, awaits the final fulfilment of Daniel's dramatic end-time prophecies. Just make sure. When was the last time your devotional time with God ended in you being physically sick or feeling faint? It certainly never happened to me. This would be an unusual experience for most people, I'd, I'd imagine, but for the prophet Daniel, it happened more than once. It wasn't his encounter with God that troubled him. It was the visions God showed him about the future of the world, our world, here in Tassie, in Australia, on this amazing and incredible creation we call Earth. In Daniel 7-8, we enter into the heart of Daniel's visions. He saw kingdoms replacing kingdoms, one violent conflict after another. But he also encouraged he saw encouraging visions, rather, like the Son of Man coming to set up his kingdom to rule the world. So, let's read uh, Daniel 7 and 8 together and see what we can learn about these visions and what they might mean for us here at Hope, here in Tasmania and Australia and in the world. So I'm just juggle, juggling the, the buttons. Daniel's dream of four beasts. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was the second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its, hind, one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the other beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 
10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favour of the holy people of the Most High and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is the fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times and half a time. Chapter 8. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside, beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against it and none could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. It came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at it in great rage. I saw it attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering its two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it, and none could rescue the ram from its power. The goat became very great, but at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off, 
and in its place four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord, and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary, and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because a vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the large horn between its eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, his nation but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Of princes sorry. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. So, a humorist of our day once quipped or said the following. Sometimes you have to look reality square in the face and deny it. He also said, thank you God for this good life and forgive us if we do, if we do not love it enough. That seems to be the perspective of some who deny the prophetic visions or portions of the book of Daniel. To deny that Daniel wrote prophetically leaves only one alternative. Daniel was written as history, not prophecy. Surely this cannot be true. He details what Daniel prophesied, how it came to pass, and why we can trust 
his prophecies which remain as yet unfulfilled. Daniel's unfailing accuracy in describing the historic movements of kings and nations in the centuries preceding Christ gives ample reason to trust God's prophetic word to us through his prophets. So why should we study the book of Daniel? It's a bit late to be asking this question now that we're in chapters 7 and 8, I think. But I thought I'd just put it out there. It promises to strengthen us with help for today and hope for tomorrow. So for me, that's um, very black and white. I need help for today and I need hope for tomorrow. But it also means that we are tasked with protecting the prophecy of Daniel, to proceed with life, our life as we know it, and by preparing for the future, which is the end times. And lastly, as long as there is breath in our lungs, God has work for us to do. Thank you very much. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word in this church. We thank you that we can do this in this state, in this country. We know we live in challenging times, Lord. We know that we'll only get worse, not better. We ask your blessing on each of us here, on all Christians in Tasmania, indeed Australia and the world. We ask you to guide each and every one of us as we live our lives in you, as we strive in our Christian walk. And Lord, as we prepare for the end times, we ask that your will be done in our lives. Amen.